0: We can discuss for a moment the fear you're feeling looking at the sermon notes. You're saying to yourself, that goes from the top of the sheet to the bottom of the sheet in nine point. And there's no relief over on the left hand side. It also is in nine point in almost every square inch covered with type." I love the Word of God, too. No, it's really because we're in the book of Acts, and narratives, stories, they, they eat up more space. You're not going to go instructional verse to instructional verse. You're going to get any winter Capernaum stuck in there. Um, and you, it has to be on the page, because what would you be saying to your friends from other churches? If your pastor was dropping verses out. I don't want that reputation. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. You are good to us in so many ways and so many different expressions of the work of your kingdom. We are grateful for Luke's writing of this book and we'd ask that you would bless us in it in your son's name. Amen. Now, I didn't put, because I ran out of space, l- the book of Acts, I guess it's chapter, the end of chapter 18. Uh, so you just have to kind of know that from just get, you know looking at it again generally. Now, what was happening in my mind, um, I've been in a number of conversations about topics that slopped over a bit into this. And as I was looking through the scriptures this morning, saying to myself, well, you haven't been in Acts lately. That sort of thought. And I ended up in Acts 19, looking at the whole situation with Apollos. uh, At the end of 18 with Apollos. Um, So I kept reading, I kept reading. I am not going to tell you that this is what luke was trying to teach you what i'm the, the the thread i'm going to suggest is not what luke was trying to teach luke was trying to tell you what happened with the disciples of apollos in ephesus what happened with some false exorcists what happened with the riots in ephesus all of this occurs third missionary journey in ephesus uh, just before Paul gets there and right after Paul gets there. Luke wants you to know. Luke wants you to believe, but an idea that... I'm, I'm giving you an idea, not saying that the idea Luke is, is thrusting at you, but with the idea in your mind you might be able to see benefit that he is communicating. I'm not trying to communicate what isn't there, but I want to be honest about... Um, what I think the structure is and isn't. As a title over here on the left-hand side, I have three false religions. Because that's what's jumped out at me while I was reading through it. Three false religions dealt with differently, responding differently, because I think we're religious people, you and I, and we are religious enough that we give up our Sunday morning, hike across a smoky town and sit at uncomfortable benches except for the leeches and bruce and and uh, frank they got the padded chairs back there so some of you suffer you suffer for the kingdom At the end of chapter 18 of the book of Acts, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Oops. As we go through this, I'm going to point out sort of false religions. Apollos has a false religion. Not a, he's not a bad person because of that, but his false religion, his incomplete religion, what I want to warn the saints about, is fervent truth isn't enough. You can be seminary trained, Understand every aspect that you can read in the scriptures. Be devoted to it. Remember, St. Paul was devoted. He desired to keep the law of God with his inmost being, it says in Romans 7. There have always been the false religions of a real but in complete faith. If if righteousness were through the law, there would have no need for grace and there would no need for Jesus Christ to come and die on a cross. And the Jews had been living in a true religious circumstance but it wasn't enough. Right? Because if it had been enough, Jesus didn't need to die. If you could be Jewish enough and right enough and educated enough about the law of Moses that should have been enough he was an eloquent man well versed in the scriptures instructed in the way of the Lord accurate about Jesus fervent what if that guy showed up here wanted to teach a bible study the head of the Sunday school committee would just be thrilled we don't have a Sunday school committee because we don't have a Sunday school but I know what the head of Sunday school committees would be all about Slap that person into a teaching role immediately because he's, he knows his stuff, he's good at it, eloquent, accurate, and eager. What more do you want? I don't know, maybe baptism in the Holy Ghost. Maybe a being a Christian. Not all non-believers. Is it just smoky in here? Okay. You were fading out, and I mean (laughs) my glasses hadn't been cleaned. He had only had or knew only the baptism of John. Well what's when he says that, when the Luke writes that, what's he what's he talking about? Well earlier in Acts St. Peter is reporting this is about 8 chapters earlier, 10 and 11 as I began to speak this is Peter talking the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning and I remembered the word of the Lord how he said John baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit if you go back into the Gospels John says that. Christ says that. Now Peter says that. How do we miss it? They had the baptism of John, water baptism for repentance. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and expounded to him the way of God more accurately. His false religion was was leaning the right direction. But it needs to be, to be true religion, it needs to be the baptism of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. If you are not converted, you are not converted unless you are converted by the grace of God. Because the grace of God doesn't just get rid of your sins, it makes you a different character. That's why they call it conversion. You are born from above. And you can. I, I don't believe in absolute and total depravity. I think non Christians are bad people. But they can do nice things. They can even think about good things. They can even study good things. The same thing was true with Cornelius, where the Roman centurion that Peter says this account regarding, he says he was a devout man. He gave alms liberally and prayed constantly to God. And yet, false in the sense that it wasn't the religion that was true. And we can have, no matter what we do, because we're human, we're finite, someone can walk in and give all the right answers. Talk, like, to Evan about what Evan likes, doctrinally. It's strangely compelling, Evan, your views about X, Y, or Z. Just eager. Bible verses spring into mind. You've got to be changed by Jesus Christ. You have to be changed. And it's not so that he would get baptized with Christian water baptism. The point was, I baptize you with water. But one is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This is on the left hand side. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ who was I that I could withstand God? Peter had recognized in Cornelius and his household that the belief had changed them. They had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Back in Acts 10 Peter says how can we refuse water to those who have clearly received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Apollos needed to become a Christian. Not that he wasn't seeking God. He certainly was. Not that he didn't understand. He certainly did. He could even teach it. He could even argue it. He could even debate it. You ever wonder sometimes if some of those people have passed from death to life? And when he wished to cross to Achaia. Now, this is happening in Ephesus. Okay, this opening is the Aegean, okay? This is the Aegean. So Ephesus is right about here. Corinth and Achaia is uh, that, uh, the Isthmus, this will be the Isthmus that connects uh, where Athens is down to the Peloponnese. Corinth is right on the end of the Isthmus. So across the, uh, uh, the Aegean, he wants to go over there. Paul had just left Corinth earlier and he had left Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus, then Paul had gone back to Jerusalem. So that's why Priscilla and Aquila are there in Ephesus ready to talk to Apollos. Apollos gets sent on to Corinth and when he arrived he greatly helped those who through grace had believed for he powerfully confuted the Jews in public showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, he believed all that already. Now, how do you Evan, You say, Evan, how are you getting that he, he only knew the baptism of John? Doesn't that mean he probably just didn't know how to baptize in the name of Jesus, you know, doing baptisms and stuff? Because we always, because we're post-Catholic in our world, we think everything's water baptism. But the apostles and the Christ and the Baptists thought that, no, the Christian baptism is spirit baptism not that you don't get water baptized, but spirit baptism is the one you need. Now why do I say that? Because, well, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country. Now Paul had been gone back Jerusalem would be down there in the basement somewhere. And he's coming back over the high country and back into Ephesus after Apollos has left. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I wonder why he asked it. You ever been tempted? Did you did you get converted? Did you get changed by the work of God in your life? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, No, we have never even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Now stop and consider, be Sherlock in this moment. Apollos, who was an eloquent, gifted Bible teacher, who only knew the baptism of John, gets stopped by Priscilla and Aquila, they fix his doctrine, and off he goes to Achaia, to Corinth. Paul runs. And comes, to, comes into town, like right on his heels of him leaving, and finds a bunch of disciples, and they said... We've never even heard there is a Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. They were disciples of Apollos. He'd been effectively teaching Christian theology, a baptism, a water baptism of repentance. And Paul says, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. Now, we're Christians. We believe that belief, faith, is central to the faith. It's what we preach. For by faith are you saved, not of works, not of man's doing, lest any man should boast. Right? You know the verses. And so he says, John baptized with water of repentance, with the baptism of repentance, telling people that the important thing coming was to believe in this Messiah, to believe in the Messiah. Not like they believed in John and they didn't believe in Jesus and they got a water baptism of John's and a water baptism of Jesus. Because John had already said, the difference is going to be my baptism is of water. And his baptism is of the Holy Spirit. Hearing this, verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now watch what your mind just did. Do you think they went down to the river? I have no objection to them going down to the river. But do you think, do you always put in water baptism when you read the word, Baptism. Even though our Lord said the baptism that matters is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even though that's the point of discussion here between Paul and the disciples of Apollos. Even though that had been the point of discussion between Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos himself. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. There's not any mention of the river. I'm not trying to downgrade that water baptism. You need to know what it is, how far it is, and that it isn't Christian baptism. Christian baptism is you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is evident by what sort of complete tool you are, or not. Loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful, self-controlled. That's a person who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're not that? Well, you, maybe you know all the Bible stories. Maybe you know, maybe you walked the aisle one time. Maybe a Baptist pastor like myself baptized you. And, I, you know, I could be, I'd be fooled. The first false religion is one of the heart. It's it's the natural place to be for the person being led to God. Apollos takes the step. These disciples of Apollos take the step. The Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 of them in all. Not very many in a big town like Ephesus, but there were 12. Apollos right before them. They were eager to move on. But Christianity has sometimes so defined what Christianity is as being a sum total of do you agree with the statement of faith this church teaches and were you baptized into membership? We get to call those Christians. Paul's walking up to these guys who look just like that and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? You know what you believe. And new, you know, maybe even have a certificate about when you got baptized. Somebody asks you, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit?" Are you kind of nervous? Not because you're not a charismatic. You know, I'm not a charismatic. I'm not asking you to start jumping the pews and uh, you know waving ribbons in the air and dancing before the Lord. I'm asking you to be changed. Are you that confident? or you're willing to live in a kind of a false religion that all of Christendom has allowed you to have even all of evangelicalism has allowed you to have which is being fervent, all excited, all jazz go to enough Christian, what are they called concerts, God help you fervency accurate you want repentance unto life verse 8 and he entered the synagogue for about three months spoke boldly arguing and pleading about the kingdom of God but when some were stubborn and disbelieved speaking evil of the way before the congregation he withdrew from them taking the disciples with him and argued daily in the hall of Tyrannus. this would have been my kind of life I would have loved this Right? go to the synagogue, get into a fight get kicked out of the synagogue, go to another place get into a fight maybe not a fight, an argument argued it daily in the Hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years. Again, what a life. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. This kind of debate, this kind of pursuit of what God's message was in the gospel was landing on the God seekers and on the Jews and enough buzz was being created in that town that the pagan world was being affected by it. And God did extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were carried away. You can get those on TV. From what I see, there are some guys late at night who will sell you Jordan River water or anointing oil or even handkerchiefs or prayer mats made out of paper, oddly. Um, And and if you send them 150 bucks, they'll send you a paper prayer mat printed on newsprint but you will be strangely blessed. Your life will be changed by their handkerchief. Actually, when Paul's handkerchief was taken and aprons were carried away from his body to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. We were talking about magic on the front porch a few nights back, maybe a week ago, Phil and Caitlin, and uh, he'd been reading some Charles Williams, so he needed to talk. And how power, real power, isn't just the pretense of some televangelist who wants you to think about the biblical story when they make the false claim. Everybody wants magic in their life. Little kids want magic in their life. You go to see illusionists because you want to have at least a feeling that something magical just happened. This was really happening. Extraordinary miracles. Evil spirits leaving, diseases leaving, at a distance, just because fabric. This is where people go as a false religion after what we just said. Because what did we just say? Oh, man, you know all the theology, you're eager about the group. We really want you on board. um, You need to get saved. You need to really have an experience of the Holy Spirit and God. So they start scratching the chin. So you really want us to have, like, magical experiences. Arcane. That kind of substance. We want that kind. And so Christians run off. Some are theologically pure and not saved. And the rest are running off to some magical place or they can pretend with all their friends that miracles are happening. Did you know that my uncle knew a cousin of someone he met at work who in New Guinea raised the dead? Did you know that? People want to create magic in their Christian life because they think, isn't that what you're looking for? Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. Now, Jewish exorcists were pretty popular at the time. We have records of a Jewish exorcist performing an exorcism in front of Nero, uh, Caesar. Undertook to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name whom Paul by, by, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. People who want a, a, a false religion, they think the religion, if it's not going to be dead theology, it's going to be magic time. The same sort of idiots, they get caught up in being Wicca, or witches, or, or want to have some superstitious uh, life that they believe in Atlantis and, and crystals. I hope I didn't offend anybody. No, I really do. I hope I offended you to death. I hope you don't make me say anything about essential oils because I will say it. (laughs) It's witchcraft. Um, A little awkward. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them. And this is the memorable verse from the passage this morning because it struck me as the memorable verse. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Oh man, when demons rebuke you. Because the demon has a better idea of what true religion is and where it rests. Because what does it say at another point? you believe? Well and good. Even the demons believe and shudder. Demons believe better Christianity than most people who claim Jesus Christ. Because the demon knows Jesus and the demon knows the apostle. They know when they're dealing with power. But someone who's out there play-acting their little witchcraft or their hex symbol or their Christian, you know, incantations they make. I mean, look, they're trying to make a Christian incantation. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Just to make sure you get the right Jesus, we'll tell you which apostle Just like Paul. Just like that Jesus. Not the Mormon Jesus, the Christian Jesus. Compare it to true power. Not compare it to other false liars on late night TV. And look at what it does. The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Beat them into a jelly. Took their clothes off. Kicked them out. It has comedy written all over it. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Both Jews and Greeks. So what became known to all the Jews and Greeks before? The extraordinary miracles of Paul. Became known to all the Jews and Greeks. Then the people who tried to pick up the magic aspect. A religion that included metaphysics. But again, it wasn't the power of God. That also became known to the Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Not because they failed the incantation, because the true Christians, true religion was standing there, delivering on the promise. Why do many young Christians, after they go to college, Christians in quotes abandon ship because they haven't seen anything that makes them think that Christians know what they're doing that there's any power in this at all Christians are happy to trick out Christianity in terms of all these false religious tones great theology, fervent spirit great you know, expounder of the word not changed talking about mystical things, talking about magic, talking about miracles, but cheapening it by pretending all the time. They saw the difference. Many also of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. In other words, witchcraft, superstition, it's normal in most, you, you go into any big American city, talk to any housewife in any part of New York, and you're going to find all sorts of superstition, all sorts of cultural adjustments. My mother-in-law, who is not a believer, and just a, an American, I don't know where she would do special school to learn all the magic rituals that you're supposed to do when you spill the salt. When you, you know, have you ever seen people knock on wood? That's why I have a wooden pulpit, so I can do that. (laughs) I don't want to come back here and find an aluminum pulpit. I need my superstitions. They divulged their practice. A number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver, So the word of the Lord grew and prevailed mightily. There you go. The word of the Lord. Now it's not all, you say, I'm not really into magic and only those Lord of the Rings geeks are, you know, wishing they could be all elven. Elfin? Elfin. They could speak to the bunnies. And we know there are loopy people like that, but other people, other magic, other powers, part of this is the idea that you start to believe other arcana. And arcana is the unproven, and I know there are bad people, Christians get led astray by, you might say, real things, real science, real medicine, and you sort of put your trust in the arm of flesh. That's understandable. But an awful lot of Christianity, if you just watch TV for a while and look at the commercials, the unproven claims of so much. Look what's in the popular culture. Go to a bookstore. Look at the books. Unproven claims. One of those? Claims of magical change in your life. And I think you should divulge your practice and say, what? Where do I go to shape my religion? Is my religion shaped by a Barnes & Noble trend? Or is it shaped by the Word of God prevailing mightily? There's so much that you need to know about the Lord, so much your religion needs to be informed about. It's not enough without the conversion of the Holy Ghost, because Apollos had all that knowledge, but you don't want to replace the power of God with the power of earthly claims about magic. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia. That's Macedonia up there, then down into Achaia. And go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little stir concerning the wag, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. Ah, you know the story, right? The riot in Ephesus? Where right now a lot of Christians are protesting Planned Parenthood or gay marriage or whatever else, and you can see the reaction of some of the unbelievers. They flip you off driving by, or whatever it is they do. Curse you. Do things on the interwebs that you don't like. And so we, we kind of, you know, let's apply it to that. But I don't want to apply it to that. I really don't. Um, it applies to that. But I, I, I don't want it this morning. Because I, I think we have to be concerned about false religion. We have to be concerned about whether or not All of our belief, all of our education didn't get us saved. Even if we were after God and after the truth, if we didn't pass from death to life. Two, that we don't satisfy ourselves with unshown, unproven, magical acts so that we can all claim to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. We don't want to get beat up by demons. We don't want to have demons meet them and find out they have a better theology than we do. Thirdly, idolatry. What does it say in a few places in the scripture? And um, I think in Ephesians Where's Ephesians? Ephesians five. I think it's Ephesians five. Oh, it's also in Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It says the same thing in Ephesians somewhere. I think later in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, five. be sure of this, that no immoral or impure man or one who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and of God. So two letters, Paul goes, you know covetousness? Idolatry. Demetrius, the silversmith, what was his problem? Stuff. I don't think he's like really, really, really religious. He got everybody together in the guild who made little shrines to Artemis and sold them by the boatload because the temple of Artemis in Ephesus you know it's a big deal the first one back uh, in the early 300's burned to the ground the night Alexander the Great was born Um, set on fire an arsonist set it on fire because he wanted to be remembered through the ages and I'm going to grant him that His name was Herostratus, there. Remember through the ages, North Idaho, burning the Temple of Artemis to the ground, the night Alexander the Great was born. Because they think, Ephesus over here, Temple of Artemis, Macedonia over there, Alexander being born, they thought the goddess Artemis was superintending the birth of Alexander, as important as he was, so she wasn't there to guard her temple. Well, they built another one. This is the next one. In Ephesus. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. Okay? You haven't seen it because it's in ruins, but you know, it's one of the seven wonders of the world in Ephesus. So, understandably, Ephesus is a pretty big deal. A lot of market, a lot of power. Because what happens in religion for the people who find themselves unable to access the real change? 2. Unable to access anything but fake Lord of the Rings magic. I want to be Hogwarts. Is that someplace? Let me care about Hogwarts here. You better not. Let's, Let's have play magic. Let's believe it's superheroes. Well, we all played superheroes. That kind of magic. That's all you got when you're the seven sons of the high priest Steva. when you realize really the only prophet to make out of the gods is prophet. Pragmatic, real power. And believe me, you don't have to read a very in-depth study of the history of the Christian church to realize that's precisely the false religion they made. And they will accuse you if you're part of some exciting, not us, but All Souls Christian. We're not an exciting young happening group, okay? But if there was one in town, an exciting young happening group, people were excited about Jesus Christ, excited about the gospel, what would the Orthodox be doing? They'd be warning them. They would see the young church cutting into the attendance, right? Into the attendance, what happens? The giving goes down. These he gathered together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. Honest, right at the beginning. From this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but almost through it almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable company of people saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Can you imagine? What would be coming out of the mouth of the uh, arbiters of Orthodox Christianity who say this is not a real church? Who say that, that, just, you know, that the Anglican Church or the Roman Catholic Church or whatever else it is, that that's not real Christianity that being a member of a Christian church doesn't make you a Christian there are people who are saying that because they're building a false religion that is rooted in power and profit because that's where <coughs> idolatry comes from they've created an idolatrous Christianity where they worship the history the characters the power the books the buildings the relics everything because they're covetous because the nature of idolatry is trying to move whether you believe in the God behind it or not is trying to move it to your gain. that's why you go to the God with a sacrifice of a chicken because you want your wife to get pregnant because you want your crops to grow because you want the God to kill so and so My dad was just talking to an Indian woman, Dot Not Feather, who was a worshiper of Shiva. Shiva is not a nice goddess. Shiva is a violent, murdering destroyer. And this woman, this nice student at the University of Idaho, meeting with Jim Wilson, was a worshiper of Shiva. People want to have gods there. What what do you get to find these guys sometimes in a bar someplace looking for the good old days when Cthulhu will come back and the old elder gods will rise and destroy all mankind? People want stuff from their gods. Christians want stuff from their gods. There's a danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, just a warning, gentlemen, on the economic side, But also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may count for nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and cried out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. Paul wished to go in among the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Some of the Asiarchs also, who were friends of his, sent to him and begged him not to go into the theater, venture into the theater. Now some cried one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand, wishing to make a defense to the people but when they recognized that he was a Jew for about two hours they all with one voice cried out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now when this is happening in the pagan world the world is going to be offended. The effect of Jesus Christ the effect of true religion Again, not theology, though the theology can be true. Not pretend magic, but the power of God. Established in the word of God. And not the, the, the tawdry, let's get the prophet out of this. Let's use the gods for everything that gods are good for. Our fight with them is not to go out there and insult the gods. Because look at what says from the, uh, the city clerk. Verse 35, and when this town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be contradicted, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess." In no way are we suggesting that true religion is trying to browbeat false religion into submission. Oh, they're getting proved wrong all the time. And they're getting angry because what you really mean true power, true change, true heavenly prophet, not earthly prophet, does affect their lives, and they, they will be upset. But the Christian is not there for the pagan to respond negatively. I've given you a verse here out of Exodus 22. Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor speak ill of the ruler of thy people. Does the second half sound familiar? Paul used it later in Acts when he apologized for uh, speaking ill of the high priest. He quotes the second half of this verse. He knows the verse that says, you do not revile the gods. Artemis being one of them. And the city clerk says, they didn't revile. They did not blaspheme. They've done nothing sacrilegious. They're affecting your prophets. They're affecting the fraud of your religion. These are people who think and it's, it's, it's hard for them to deal with whether they're Christian prophet mongers because we knew that there's that passage in 1 Timothy um, 6 I have the reference there at the bottom in 6 we're starting around start with verse 3 if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching which accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit. He knows nothing. He has a morbid craving for controversy and for disputes about words which produce envy, dissension, slander-based suspicions, and wrangling among men who are depraved in mind and bereft of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And that is applying itself to people inside the faith, not Ephesians worshippers of Artemis. They thought the same thing, devotion to the goddess, covetousness, which is idolatry. And I'm trying to warn you about a kind of Christianity that gets itself set up in power positions and money positions and positions of gain. Because there are people inside the church who imagine that godliness is a means of gain. The Christian mind says, verse 6, there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Is your kind of Christianity getting bought out? We've got to watch it because we've got this nice building. We've got to watch it. We've got to really be dicey about, no, not dicey, uh, the threat of money, stained glass windows, which I would like better cross a painting I want a big painting. maybe a, a quilt, mm? tapestry, illustrating the uh, scene where an egg, Samuel hewed egg, egg to pieces before the Lord, that's the one I want up there. But gain, what are we gaining? How are we gaining? What is our life about? It's not just about the facts, it's about the change. It's not about whether we pretend there is magic in our world, but whether or not we trust where the magic came. You'll notice that back with the magic, the fake magic, that all the people that were giving up their magic books weren't getting true magical powers for becoming Christians. They were just regular people, gained nothing from the false magic, gained nothing magical from the true magic. They just were comparing the two worlds and going, that magic, what the apostles do, they're extraordinary. And what you guys are doing is silly. And they had compared the two. They weren't, again, shucking off one false claim of magic and getting the ability to raise the dead. Regular Christians were just making an assessment about the power. You need to do that with the scriptures as well, as the word of God grows and prevails in you. And you have to watch out that the power and profit that exists in the institution of the church doesn't turn you into that conservative status quo Protector of all the power plays and all the things that have worked out and having all sorts of arguments of why it's important. Real religion changed by God in the word of God and profiting in glory, pro- great gain in godliness with contentment. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. We want to be with Jesus, we want to be with Paul because the demons know Jesus and Paul. We don't want to be frauds, we don't want to be pretend, we don't want to be paid off by some other aspect of the religion. We want to know what it is to pass from death to life. This we ask in your son's name, amen.